everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. This documentary. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I have to watch these things strapped into a Peloton. Yeah, I can imagine lots of kicking and screaming. Well, and I just have to like get energy out because it's, it's, and it's not that we don't know this stuff. You and I work mm-hmm. very closely. You work with high risk kids. Mm-hmm. I work in family court and see this shit daily. But then when it's spelled out in a documentary and some of this stuff is a little close to home. I know people within my own family that I don't speak to who mm-hmm. I actually texted my brother and I was like, tell me this does not remind you of so-and-so. And he's oh. like, yeah, he and his wife actually watched this as well. And we talked a little bit about it. And I'm Got like, it. it was very triggering for me. I can imagine it's not a pretty story. And as the title suggests, we are talking about the Amazon original true crime documentary, Shiny Happy People, which is the Duggar family secrets. Now, some of us may have watched the original TV show, from back in the day. Did you watch it? I watched it. Yeah. I mean, not, uh, not as a religion or anything. <laughs> no pun intended. Eh, but it was from 2008 yeah. and it was called 19 Kids and Counting. And there were eight seasons of this reality show that definitely changed the world in the sense that like there wasn't this kind of reality show around. And so it was very unique. And what I remember about it for me was that I just thought these people were nuts. Yeah, well, I think what they certainly tried to do was to modernize and make the purity movement specifically look like this really positive and respectful, you know, it, it kind of made Christianity and church going this really positive, happy thing. Mm-hmm. And and let me be clear, it, it can be for some people, you know, of this course. we're talking, I'm talking specifically about these fundamentalists, right? Mm-hmm. And so what it did is it created this avenue for people to be like, oh, wow, and they actually still have fun in their family, and they, you know, maybe it's not so bad. And it was very sensationalized. I've had a longstanding history of being suspicious of 100% positivity and oh, sure. happiness even before my profession because I always understood the complexity of life and that people are multi-leveled and that some of the most interesting things about people is how they handle adversity and and how they recover Mm -hmm. from it. So when there's this sort of shiny, happy people, (laughs) which I think is a great title for this, Mm -hmm. because that's what was going on is that it's kind of like looking at Stepford wives yeah. movie as you're looking at them and I remember having this feeling of looking at them and going this is really interesting and I'm going to eat potato chips and watch these people because it's so mind-bendingly strange to me so I do remember that about it but this uh this documentary is called shiny happy people dug our family secrets and it says season one it's a limited docu-series exposing the truth beneath the wholesome Americana surface of reality tv's favorite mega family the Duggars and the radical organization behind them, the Institute in Basic Life Principles. As details of the family and their scandals unfold, we realize they're part of insidious, much larger threat already in motion with democracy itself in peril, basically a cult. And there's four episodes, and I think it's worth a watch. Uh, even if you never saw the original show, that that's immaterial. You get enough. They sh- tell you enough about the show and, and the different things that happened there and how you know, they didn't get renewed. 
their spinoff didn't ever happen because everyone was either a pedophile or a rapist. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, it's laced with misogyny, internalized misogyny, and racism. Mm -hmm. And I just want to define what quiverful is if people don't know what that is because they essentially were a quiverful community which is part of it is uh, folks who practice non-use of contraception and it speaks to like essentially God is in charge of the woman's womb opening and closing that womb he will let you know and I'm saying he intentionally because it is a male God mm -hmm. he will close the womb when he has deemed that the family is done reproducing and the concept really behind all of this is that they are going to create as many children as they can within their I'm going to say cult because the motivation is that they will take over the world mm -hmm. and we'll talk about this in a little bit but we, it, this, the story centers around the family but mostly around the son Josh and how when the Joshua generation, which I'll talk about in a, in a few minutes here, was essentially that. It was the children now grown up that were moving into politics with the idea of like taking over the political and legal system and creating this, I don't know, mass community that would essentially take over the world. That hasn't worked yet. No, but I mean, look, they're all fucking delusional and grandiose. I don't know. I, I, this, this was a tough one for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think just because I've, I've, I've know people in my personal life that I have walked away from because of seeing these, I've been very close to these ideals. Yeah. I mean, many of us have, I think. So it's probably something that a lot of people have that reaction to this one. It was, uh, for me, it was easy to get through. In other words, the way that it's shot and the episodes are pretty succinct and they don't do a lot of extra extraing. Uh, they're not trying to drag it out. And there are a lot of interviews with the children. And what this is, is that the children are the victims in this situation on multiple levels. Everything from having your whole life on display as a child. And chosen for you. And chosen for you and these fundamental ideals. Everything from that to rape and incest and sexual abuse and, and all the things. So there's each child had a variety of different things happen to them. And they, they interview a few of the victims about their experience on the TV show, about their experience with their, their father, who is Jim Bob Duggard and his wife, Michelle. And I saw one article call it a modern day freak show. Well, and, and so much of the, the infantilizing of women too you know women are they they dress them like children michelle has has been coached to to talk very meek which part of that is also a manipulation and high voice high I, voice and very, yeah yeah very meek you know when when the girls go to school they said you know even math was only taught to women so they could learn how to bake so they were essentially taught through what are called like wisdom booklets and these kids had to um they were homeschooled. Let's start there. They were and homeschooled. Religious, religious focused homeschool, like not actually right. math and science. Right. Religious focused. They were taught that the ideals outside of their ideology were dangerous. And that was instilled in them from a very young age. And 
one of the things that comes up in one of the interviews is one of the, the, the men who's now an adult, he says, fear breaks the will. So, you know, when we, in psychology, we talk about the difference between discipline and punishment, right? And discipline coming from the word disciple, which means to teach and model. That's very different than fear-based tactics, which are really just punishment essentially is, is rooted in fear. And so in the absence of that fear, they may or may not, you know, behave that way. It doesn't really change behavior, but they grew up in, in an environment where that fear was instilled around them 24 seven because they weren't allowed to go out into the world and experience other things. So, you know, this fear breaks their will from a very young age. They, it's almost like child labor stuff, you know, like the young girls are taught that once a, a sibling is born, they call it the buddy system where these little kids now are there to raise their youngers, they're parentified and they're, yeah. you know, so what that does from an early age is it robs the, it gives no opportunity for the, the girl to develop any autonomy because the role of a caretaker, a nurturer, a mother, a baker, a cleaner, all of that from day one, it's like, well, here's your doll mm -hmm. and now you're going to raise it because mommy has more important things to do over here. And well, so that mommy had 19 kids. And well, there's yeah. no way she could be. <laughs> But I would say even if there were only a few kids, that was just for that little girl to learn, this is going to be your life and you yeah. need to now learn how to do this. And here's your dress. And here's your dress. They all had the dresses. Um, I think one thing that really got me, and I have heard this before, when they were talking about music and how, you know, certain beats like African beats equated with the sound of the devil, if there isn't anything more fucking racist yeah. than that. Yeah. So much white supremacy mm -hmm. in these organizations. Yeah. I mean, everything that is taught to these kids instills fear, um, but also all the isms, racism, sexism, heteronormativity. And these children grow up. And one of the things that I noticed that they, I thought they did really well in this documentary is talking about the purity culture. So these yes. kids grow up and then they are like, we're going to turn Christianity into something cool. Right. And then they start to do these YouTube videos and they're all dressing a little bit more normal and they're preaching Christianity. And what we do know about the purity movement, which is, you know, um, true love weight, which, which used to be called true love weights and true love weights meant you don't do anything until you're married. So what we know historically now is the purity movement actually was, um, you know, something that promoted rape and rape culture because, yes. you know, one of the daughters was talking about how, how on the night of her honeymoon, she was raped multiple times, yeah, multiple times. So, you know, all of these things that were painted in this like purity movement and you don't even kiss each other, barely hold each other's hands. You have an escort when you're engaged. It's all fucking pageantry. Because really you're, you're just becoming a slave to this man that you call husband. It's all grooming. And it's all grooming. I mean, a lot of the cults that we've talked about on this show that ended up in violence, death, mm -hmm. I mean, murder, rape is definitely violent. Things that ended up in, in people being slaughtered and murdered have these kinds of morals in there. They might not be evangelical Baptists, right. but they have these kinds of puritanical morals in, in their thing. You know, women do this, men do that, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and over and over and over again. And I, when you were talking, I was thinking about operant conditioning. Oh my God. And yes. so for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a, 
sometimes referred as instrumental conditioning, but it's this method of learning, you know, rewards and punishment to modify behavior. And you may have learned or heard the idea that, oh, well, intermittent reinforcement is the most effective. You may have heard that colloquially in our culture. And that comes from these studies of operant conditioning, which I won't go into it because it'll bore you with the science, but they've done a lot of this kind of research over years and figured that out, is that this kind of intermittent punishment or intermittent reinforcement, reinforcement being the most you know, there's a hierarchy, but the reinforcement is the most effective. And I just saw that through all of this where they would get, they would be ignored and then all of a sudden reinforced for making a great meal or, or doing a great thing or what have you. And then, you know, get raped on the weekends and then Monday get reinforced for doing well in a Bible lesson or whatever it is. And that reinforcement for the children and that intermittent searching for your parents' recognition and reinforcement was, it was creating all of this allegiance to what the family was doing. Cause a lot of these kids, you know, were felt indoctrinated yeah. and we were talking to kids that we were hearing interviews with the kids who were violently taken advantage of and were speaking out. We were not hearing from all of the other children that may or may not disagree with their mother and their father and their brother, who was Josh Duggard, who in 2015 came out as, uh, you know, having molested his siblings over the last decade and was arrested for that. So, and some really violent child pornography. Yes. Like very violent. Yes. I, I want to back up for just a moment to give everybody, if you haven't seen it, um, some perspective on how the Duggars got to where they did. And they followed uh, the IBLP, which is um, a non-denominational Christian organization that was led by a Christian minister by the name of Bill Gothard, who was a Wheaton graduate. Wheaton is a non-denominational, I think it's non-denominational, Christian church in Illinois. And he developed what's called the Institution and Basic Life Principles. And the purpose was to provide instruction on how to find success in life by following biblical principles. It involves programs that include seminars for ministry, community outreach, troubled youth mentoring, and international ministry. So children are expected to be homeschooled, always obey their fathers, adhere strictly to their the IBLP's interpretations. So not just their own the, but strictly IBLP. And of course, the, it's been alleged as a cult. So Bill Gothard, he, you know, self-acclaimed Messiah of this whole goddamn thing. And throughout this, it essentially taught women that they went from father to husband. Their autonomy was completely stripped. When he started to develop and the organization got larger, he, of course, because he was a cult leader, was very, very good at getting these young women to come work at the headquarters, which at that time, if you were a woman and you were chosen to do that, you actually got to leave the home. Mm -hmm. It was kind of looked at like a job. Mm -hmm. But the reason he did that is he had a type and they were young and he um, sexually molested, if not raped, a number of them, which many of them spoke out after. The unfortunate circumstance of all of that is they put a statute of limitations on the the women who spoke out years later and said, well, you know, you waited too long. And so all, I think it was over 18 charges or something like that, were all dropped. If we can maybe for a moment talk about 
statute of limitations around sexual trauma mm -hmm. and how that is just an impossible feat. Like, how do you even put a statute of limitation on when someone is ready to disclose and be open? You, you and I have done a number of shows on how victims are forced to carry the burden of proof and what happens when they speak out. Mm -hmm. But then if you don't speak out soon enough, then you can't get your justice so you know it's right just and i don't know the legal it would be interesting to if you're a, a lawyer hit us up but it would be interesting to know the legal history of how it got developed and to putting that limitation on it you know did it come first did the murder limitation come before the you know like or murder not having a limitate like why is sexual violence have a limitation when what we know about trauma and hey listen i can admit that our industry meaning the psychology business industry that follows the dsm that is created by psychiatrists in the medical community doesn't have good diagnoses for trauma it doesn't assess well for trauma so as psychologists working in the field and working with trauma all of the time, we are using broken instruments. We are often using what, you know, our industry would call like renegade treatments and technologies because, you know, For domestic violence too. Yeah. Because, yeah. because we haven't done it well. So I'm not saying we're not fallible. We're not at fault, but the legal industry, you know, can't make heads or tails of it, obviously. And, that is a huge problem that this documentary amplifies as well. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. What did you think of the documentary itself? I thought it was done really well. Yeah, I, thought I, it was I really good. do. Yeah, I, do I think it was really brave of those kids to speak out, to speak their truth. Also, the the family whose daughter married the Duggar yes, son, Josh. Yeah, I thought that was. You know, some of these folks really put themselves in a, a really compromising situation because they were all very loyal to the Duggars and to Bill Gothard. And, and I know for some of them it was very cathartic, but for others you could tell it was, oh, do I have to answer this question? Yeah, and the TV show support supported all of them Yeah, for a long time. So yeah. the financial dependency that we know about controlling narcissistic organizations and narcissistic systems and cults and and all of that like what do we know we all we all know if you've been here a minute you all know it's about controlling your money controlling who you see who you're with and they were doing all of that because the duggars were supporting all of them That's so right. yeah there it i can understand what kathy's saying like a lot of these people were really between a rock and a hard place and and several of the interviewees talk about like this is really hard to talk about, or I haven't ever talked about this before and I'm hesitating because it's really hard to say these things in front of a, you know, international audience or what have you. And, right. and that makes them very vulnerable and also easy to empathize with. And, and I do think it's an interesting story as well in the true crime landscape, just because there is so much humanity and people did survive mm -hmm. and they did survive and they moved on and mm -hmm. they're working through it and they have better lives. And mm -hmm. so that makes it a hero's journey, which I appreciated. Yeah, for sure. I recommend it. Yeah, me too. So go check it out. It's on Amazon. If you're an Amazon, you know, if you're a prime video member, go for it or you can rent it. So we recommend. We do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Terror Talk. We very, very much appreciate you. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.